from death sentence to dulcimer meditation. The incredible story of Kevin Roth, the author of Between the Notes, Practical Ways to Find Your Inner Groove and Dance to a Beat that Makes Your Heart Sing. On episode number 275 of the Beyond Adversity podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. It's very simple to play. It's very elegant. It's very sweet sounding. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a cross between a harp and a guitar. And that's what initially attracted me to its sound. It was one of those moments like when you meet someone and you fall in love, you just know it. Okay. So I knew that was my magic carpet ride. Welcome to the Beyond Adversity podcast with Dr. Brad Miller, the show dedicated to helping you crush adversity and succeed in life. Brad believes you deserve a life that is fulfilling and impactful. And this show is designed to help you navigate beyond adversity and achieve your life of peace, prosperity, and purpose. Now, here's Dr. Brad. Hello, good people. Welcome to Beyond Adversity with Dr. Brad Miller. I consider it just an incredible privilege that you allow me into your into your ears, into your life, and whatever you're doing today, and allow me to speak a good word into your life, a good word of helping you to overcome whatever adverse events are happening in your life and to find your life, discover your life of peace and prosperity and purpose. This is episode number 275, which means we have a very large catalog of episodes to serve you. You can find them all at Dr. Brad Miller. Dot com and find out more about what we offer at drbradmiller.com slash 40 day way. Experts in the fields of depression and divorce, disease, debt, and death, helping you to navigate adversity in your life and to come to a better place to grow through what you go through. And today we have a just an incredible story for you about a man who found himself with what he calls a death sentence. He was diagnosed with stage three melanoma, given just two, two to three years to live, and he turned it all around with the power of music. His name is Kevin Roth. And he says in our story here today that he had a choice when he was diagnosed with melanoma to get busy living or get busy dying. And he decided to live. And as he shares in our conversation here today, he beat cancer. He changed his story from victim to victor, and he created a new life plan. He replaced stress and fear with health and happiness, moved to uh, from Kansas to San Diego, and he began to live the dream. And he's been cancer-free for some time. And he used music something he calls dulcimer meditation and the lessons he learned to help himself and help others to discover what really matters and to create a new life plan that is practical and works and is fun. And that's what he teaches in his book he's going to talk to us about here today, which is Between the Notes, Practical Ways to Find Your Inner Groove and Dance to a Beat That Makes Your Heart Sing. He's our guest today on Beyond Adversity. 
Let's get into our conversation with Kevin Roth right now. Our guest today is Kevin Roth. He is an experienced and quite accomplished musician, and he has written a new book called Between the Notes, Practical Ways to Find Your Inner Groove and Dance to the Beat That Makes Your Heart Sing. He's also a man who's had his share of challenges and adversity in his life. And Kevin Roth, welcome to Beyond Adversity. Glad you're here. Thanks for having me. Indeed, it is awesome to have you here on Beyond Adversity. And you've got really a fascinating story and as far as your accomplishments and accolades in the field of music, but you also have had your share of challenges, both professionally and in your, uh, in your own right, in your own health, for instance. I'd really like to hear a bit of your story and kind of a synopsis of your story of what some of the things you came through in order to come to the point of writing this book. And then we'll talk a little bit of who this book is for. But tell us a bit of your story, my friend. My story in a nutshell is I was born musical and spiritual searcher. I think maybe that goes hand in hand with being an artist. And at the age of 13, I found the instrument called the mountain dulcimer, which is the thing hanging behind my chair. But it's an Appalachian folk instrument. And at 15, I got a record deal and started a music career, making recordings and giving concerts all over the place. And about 10, 12 years into the folk music career, I discovered children's music and ended up singing the theme to the hit PBS show, Shining Time Station, and becoming somewhat rich and famous, which was my goal from the start, because I thought if I had fame and fortune, I'd be happy. So my whole life, I was searching for happiness. When I got rich and famous, I wasn't happy at all. So I had moments of happiness, of course, but it didn't solve the problem, and I didn't understand why. And in 2015, I, out of the blue, was diagnosed with stage 3 melanoma and told I had about two or three years to live. And that's when I redesigned my life, rejected the idea of having cancer and death, and moved from the Midwest to San Diego, where I live now, and began to teach people at their request what I did to change my life from feeling depressed and being broke and a lack of clarity to creating a life which I call creative life design, which now I'm happy and I'm su- successful. And that's the whole my whole story in a nutshell. <laughs> it's a fascinating story in a nutshell. We're going to unpack it as we go uh, along here. But I did want to understand for a moment that you are have this artistic spirit about you that's a part of your your vibe and who you are as a human being. And that seems like it's been a part of the whole process of healing and wholeness and coming coming together out of your disease, but also out of your sense of unhappiness, as you said about when you were rich and famous. So this is an issue not only of your physical disease, but it's this issue of the heart, was it not? Oh, for certain. Yeah, life is a balance of emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual. That's, and, mu- and music integrates through all those things in many ways, doesn't it? It resonates through the spiritual and even the physical act of making music. And the- 
certainly the emotional aspects are all related to a musician's life. Even as a young kid, I wondered where the music came from because I wasn't reading music. I was an inquisitive kid. Uh, being on this planet never felt like it was home, but I didn't know where home was. So my search was always for a sense of that inner voice calling, kind of come home. But I didn't know the direction, and I didn't know really what home was because I rejected religions. I didn't like religions. I like spiritualism. But so eventually I learned my spiritual worth and direction, and that's really where the happiness is at. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change, right? Yeah. We're going to talk about that here in a second, but I'm just curious about the dulcimer just for a minute here, just because I have a really good personal friend of mine who is a quite accomplished recording recording artist in his own right of the dulcimer, and he loves that. And he just talks about it, and he not only plays it beautifully, but he talks about it in real affectionate terms. And what drew you to the dulcimer? And because uh, it's not, it's not electric guitar. You're not a rock star kind of thing. It's a folk kind of a thing. But is there something that's really particular about the dulcimer that speaks to you and speaks to people? It's very simple to play. It's very elegant. It's very sweet sounding. Mm -hmm. Sounds like a cross between a harp and a guitar. And that's what initially attracted me to its sound. It was one of those moments like when you meet someone and you fall in love. You just know it. Okay. So I knew that was my magic carpet ride. In a little while, and I don't want to touch it too much deep on that, but that is an integral part. The dulcimer is an integral part of one of your methodologies that, that you teach people. And I want to talk about that here in a little, Bob. But let's talk about this. You found yourself in a circumstance, both in your emotional life and in your physical health, where you're in a bad place. And then you said that you took some action. You did some things in order to work out of that and work into a better place. Music's a part of it. I get that. But be a little more specific about what some of the actions that you took in order to get out of these bad places that you were at, the unhappiness. And you said you also really dealt with your disease in this way, too. I ended up asking myself three essential questions. What matters to me? What's important? Why is it important? And what am I going to do about it? Because when you're given a year to live, you know, uh, nothing else much matters. You don't have a lot of time. Now, that was in 2015. And I knew from precognitive experience that I was not going to die, by the way, regardless of what the oncologist said. And I ended up being because I'm here. But I teach people what really matters, what's important to you. If you could redesign your life, what would you do? The way it works, Brad, is let's say women, they're at a certain age in their life. Their role has been as a mother or as a, an executive or a teacher, as a grandmother, as a wife. But their soul is they gave up learning pottery or they gave up learning to play an instrument for their role as their mom, as all these other things. You should really combine your soul with your role. And it's another way of saying living your life's purpose. So my life purpose was being an artist and being a musician. 
and spirituality. And the other thing that mattered was my dog, Bosco, which I write about in my book. And I just moved to California and decided I'd live as a bohemian and figure out a way to make a living doing it and continue spiritual studies with the things that I found that resonated with me. And then my life turned around and I didn't go back to the other way of living <laughs> because why would I? I teach people when you replace what doesn't work with what does work, you don't go back to what doesn't work. Yeah. If you're on a pathway, your journey, as you talk about in your book, you're now on a journey that's on a pathway towards something that's productive and good and meaningful, as opposed to being stuck in a place of meaning lessness and you're on this pathway and you mentioned a couple times already already kevin about your the spiritual nature of this and so let's just go there for a second you said that you're part of what gave you a sense of purpose and meaningfulness is your spirituality and yet you said you weren't religious in the sense of traditional religion tell us what you did then what how do you practice that how does that manifest your spirituality in your life now when I was recuperating in my apartment from surgery, I was watching Netflix and I found a documentary on a guy named Yogananda, who was an Indian guru. And I watched the documentary and I thought it was interesting. And then something in my gut said, look into uh, to see if he has a church or a fellowship near you, which I, I didn't think of in anywhere in the world. In Kansas, there would be a Yogananda Institute. I thought his teachings were interesting. They were about self-awareness, self-realization. So I Googled it because I always trust my gut. And I found one not even a quarter mile up the road from me. Oh, really? And you were living in yeah. Kansas at the time. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Kansas City, Missouri. And so I went and it gave me great relief. And on the talked about that everything is God, basically. But I didn't feel he was my guru. And I wasn't looking for a guru. I was looking for peace of mind, and he gave me a lot of that. So I Googled more about self-realization, and I came upon an author named Robert Wolf, who wrote about self-realization, non-duality, and a teacher named Ramana Maharshi. And I began to read Ramana's work and Robert's work based on Ramana's teachings, and it was like seeing the dulcimer. I knew immediately that was the truth. So when I moved out to California, where he lived, Robert Wolf, about, I don't know, six, seven months later, I just called him up and asked, can I come meet him? Because I had some questions. And he said, yeah, come up. And I brought my dulcimer, and we talked about non-duality and God and things. And he said, I played him a song, and he said, no one's ever done that before. And I said, what do you mean? He said, no one's come here and played. I said, do people come here? And he said, Yeah. I, so I had no idea that he was a highly regarded spiritual teacher. People from movie stars in, in Hollywood, because he lived maybe about an hour and a half from there, to just regular guys like me would seek him out. But he wasn't a, he, he just looked like an ordinary guy. He didn't look like a guru. He didn't charge money. He didn't preach anything. And I became a, a friend of his and a student of his. So I learned about non-duality, which is basically that everything is one thing, everything is God. And that's what I began to learn. Yeah. You talk about in one of your book, you say you had your aha moment or epiphany, and one of them was an inside job. Is that part of this process here, that you had to change the inner life in order to have transformation? Yeah. 
I have clients who are Christians, Buddhists, atheists. I teach from every point of view. And you can read whatever you want, but it doesn't take hold unless you really investigate it inside. So when, you know, Jesus says the kingdom of God is within you, that's, that sentence alone is enough for your entire lifetime. If you just read it, it's just words. But if you investigate it, what do you, what, where is the kingdom? What is this? What do they mean by this? And as you ask, I find, and my clients find, my students find, that the answers are revealed. But you have to go to the water to drink. It doesn't come to you. That's, that's the point is you have to be very intentional about it. You talk about your journey and so on in your book here about you you have to go on this journey, but that means you got to go. You got to take action. You got to be intentional. You yes. moved from Kansas, from Missouri to, to California, and you sought, you picked up the phone and you called this, your mentor. You went to his house, mm-hmm. you played music, you did things. You didn't wait for it to come to you. And I think so many people see what you think, Kevin. So many people wallow in their own misery, so to speak, and they let they think, "What's going to happen to me? Am I going to hit the eternal lottery and somehow or another?" But you can't. That doesn't happen unless you participate in the process. And so I'd like to talk to you a little bit more about your process, then that you are all about about what you do. Then what are the actions? What are the activities? What are the habits? And maybe this is where we can talk a little bit about Delsi meditation. What are the things that you do and teach the processes? When a client comes to me, a student or a client, whatever you want to call that person, they really end up being family. I ask them, what don't you want in your life? And then what do you want? So people feel stuck, whether it's stressed out or in debt, but they're not clear. They don't know why. They have a lot of fear, and fear is false evidence appearing real. So the first thing I do is I work with a client, and I find out who they are inside. What's their heart's desire? And then I find out what's holding them back. And the process is to work through what I call mindful awareness. So when you go to do something, you're mindful of why you're doing it. You're intentional about how to look at things differently. So I had a client who had someone call them all the time and text them all the time and was driving them nuts. And I worked with them and I made them realize, or they came to realize, they didn't need to answer the phone. They didn't need to answer the phone. But they yeah, chose. So when they decided not to do that or to do it just once a day, they felt a freedom and they said, wow, that feels great. So that's the kind of, what's one of the things I do is teach about mindful awareness. And in the book, I talk about the steps that you can take for balancing and things like that. You have to realize, Brad, that everything is the mind. Yes. So you talk about, and you talk about designing your life and uh, how Integrate this, what you just said here about everything's of the mind. What are the things you do that you tell your uh, your clients about how they're going to design their life based on your model here? Let's say someone comes to me, and I'll give you a great example. I had a client come to me, and she she said, I wanted to always be a musician, but I've never learned to be because I've got work, and I've got kids, and I've got this. And so there's no me time giving except to herself. So she learned actually to play the dulcimer 
And then she had doubts. She said, my church asked me to play. I don't want to play. I'm not very good. They're not going to like me. And, and I said, how do you know that's true? So she went and she played. And not only did they like her, but they asked her to play once a month. <laughs> then okay. another church hired yeah. her. Yeah. So yeah. we found out. So she had created, a, she'd created a false story ahead of this. And you helped her, if I'm understanding this correctly, recreate a new story. And then she applied it. And it affirmed her new story. Is that a f part of what happened here? That's, that's a part of it. But the bigger picture is that her desire wasn't to be an IT worker. Her desire was to be in music. So instead of spending her entire life until she's at the age of 65 or 70 and then retiring, putting her life off until then, I taught her how to integrate her role as a musician, I mean, her, yeah, her soul with her role, her soul being her heart wanted to be a musician. Her role was as an IT worker, but she didn't need to work 50 hours a week. And so she made time to, I call it me time. And then her life improved. And then she became happier. She was fulfilling her purpose. I think so many people are feel stuck, whether they are or not, they feel like they're stuck. They're stuck as the IT worker or they're stuck as a mom or a dad or whatever. They haven't seen a ways to live a sense of fulfilled life. And one of the things that can do that, of course, is disease. When you had your prognosis, which didn't sound good, those are realities hitting you in the face there. And you have chosen then to face realities in a different way and re rewrite the story. And one of the things I found a little fascinating, I just, I'm just curious about it as much as anything, and we've touched on it a couple of times, as you have developed something you call Delsey Meditation. I hope I'm saying that right. And one way you apply your music talents to helping people with meditation. Unpack that for me, please. What is that all about, if somebody wants to be a part of that? Dulce meditation is an extremely simple way of playing the dulcimer and giving your yourself time and space to listen to your inner voice. So how this works is when a child is in a, when a baby's in a crib crying and wailing and carrying on, the parent winds up this toy above it. And the kid's mind goes to this toy. And whatever he was going crazy about, unless he's hungry or unless he needs to be changed, it quiets his mind. Because so mesmer mesmerized or entranced by the music and the motion, that type of thing? Yes. So what I teach people is how to create that kind of music on the dulcimer. And I've taught, you can be five years old and learn to do what I'm talking about because it's very slow, there's nothing to read, and all you're doing is you're lullabying your mind to keep it quiet enough to ask yourself, what do I really feel about this situation, or what should I be doing today? And it gives you clarity. So if someone doesn't know how to play a musical instrument, I have a shameless sales picture, I have cosmic dulcimers, I call them, which are made with woods that are very mellow for meditative sounds. And I teach dulcy meditation to certain clients. I have an album out about it, and I'm giving workshops on it. And then they can learn. If they have a dulcimer, then they just come and they, they talk about it. But it's not just playing simply. There's a process that the music is one half. The other half is to ask yourself, after you take a breath or two, what's bothering me? 
So there's some some breathing and meditative type practices that are integrated with the dulcimer or the substitute type? Okay. No, it's not that difficult. You just take a deep breath and relax, and then you put the dulcimer on your lap and you strum the strings, maybe a few notes, and then you ask yourself, what's going on? So if you, like one day I was thinking, what should I be doing today? And what came to me out of nowhere was buy flowers. And I never buy flowers. And I thought, why should I buy flowers? But I knew not to question it because this is the subconscious inner voice talking. So on the way to buying flowers and on the drive back, I worked through everything that I thought I should or shouldn't do that day. And I got home and I was very peaceful. So I just listen to the question. The difference between doing dulcimer meditation and just journaling is that when you're journaling, your mind is working. It's mind. This kind of anesthetizes, in a way, the mind a little bit because you're lullabying yourself so that you're very peaceful and you can ask yourself, what's next? Or how do I feel about a certain situation or what? You know, so I, what I really love that turn of a phrase here. Maybe you didn't even mean to do it. If I bet you did. When you say lullabying yourself, what does that even imply? When we talk about lullabying a child, we're talking about singing or music or something to calm and put to sleep. Really, that's what that's about based on that. But you're saying to calm yourself, to put yourself in a calm state. I believe that's what you're saying by lullabying yourself. And that's that's not a bad well, place. That's not a bad place to be, I wouldn't think. Yeah, the truth is that most of us are very hard on ourselves. We're very critical. So if you just do something really lovely, like just lullaby yourself, which can be done with the dulcimer, because you're not reading music, you're not concentrating on music, you just, if you think of wind chimes and you just run your fingers through the wind, that's kind of what it's like, except it's on a stringed instrument on your lap. So you're soothing yourself. You're being kind to yourself. If you're feeding yourself, then you can relate to others and relate to the world in a little different tone. And I was interested when you talked about your flower story for a second. When I first heard you felt a leading, when the terminologies I might use as a leading to buy flowers, I thought maybe you were led to buy them and give them to somebody. But no, this was something for your own self in order to feed yeah, yourself. I actually have date nights with myself once or twice a month. <laughs> not a bad deal. Not a bad deal. And a date yeah. night and a date night can be just a time of quiet, can't it? It doesn't have to be go to a concert or whatever. It could be just a time of quiet, couldn't it? Yeah, I'm a really good cook. So I love to cook. I like listening to jazz. I hang out with my dog. I like candles. I don't answer the phone. I have some wine. Sometimes I put little bubble baths together and I just have gratitude and just say, I know you want to get a lot done, Kevin, but you're doing good. You're alive. Everything's cool. And I send my mind out to the babysitter. There you go. <laughs> this may or may, not, may or may not be what you talk about in this one chapter in your book, which just struck me. It's about the something about tacos and love. Is that what it is? Taco and quiet times. Oh, is. is that what this is about, just to take care of yourself? No, I tell a lot of stories in the book. People love my storytelling. I guess yeah. that comes from big I guess I'm curious about that story, my friend. Yeah, I'm going to tell you about it. Actually, at the end of each chapter, there are lyrics to songs. And there's an accompanying CD called Songs from Between the Notes. So you can actually hear it as, as long as audible. 
So what happened is on my birthday, I was looking at a taco stand and there were these two immigrant guys sitting, having Coronas, eating tacos and laughing their asses off like they didn't have a care in the world. And right behind them was a guy in a business suit holding a taco, talking on a cell phone. And I thought he had blood running down the side of his hand. It was really taco sauce. Okay. <laughs> and it dawned me, here's a guy who has, from what the appearance was, so much money. And these taco guy, these immigrant workers, well, I don't know what they're making. It can't be much. And who's happy? Who is happy? So he was on the phone, the guy in the business suit, yelling at someone about money. And the other guys were just sitting having a taco and Corona and laughing their ass off. And I thought, there's your birthday gift, Kevin. You don't need money to be happy. You don't need to be in debt to be happy. You don't need to do what this guy is doing, fighting himself. So that's what the taco story was about. That's, a, that's an awesome story. And Sal, you got lots of neat stories here about angels and music and uh, silence and the various things that you have. In fact, the, the, I like the even the title of your book, Between the Notes, indicates that you're looking for, you think, between the lines, between the notes, there's meaningfulness, there's a sense of purposefulness in the margins of life. And that, uh, that's a cool thing. Tell us about somebody that you've impacted with your work here, Kevin, either with people you're, you've mentioned a couple of people here, but I'm interested in a story about where you've seen somebody who they've had that aha moment that you've described or where they have had a moment where they have just come around to enjoy their life. Tell us a story about a person who you've impacted. I obviously won't mention names because everything is kept confidential. But there was a woman who came and her husband had died. He was in the hospital, and she needed to go home to take a shower or just get some clothes. She'd been with him day and night, and he said, please don't go, don't leave me. And she said, I'll be right back, I'll be back. And she left, and while she was gone, he died. And for 12 or I think maybe 14 years, she carried around this guilt of leaving her husband at that moment. So we worked through it and she became free of the guilt. And she resolved it inside herself. And she called me, it was on Zoom, in tears. She said, I just can't believe how free I am. And on occasion when my time with the client is done, let's say we're working on a specific problem or project, whether it's six months or two years, it doesn't matter. My clients often call me up out of the blue when something really major is going on and they say, this horrible thing just happened and I think this is what you taught me and I think I'm doing the right thing, but I really need to talk to you. So what that tells me is that they trust me and that it's a wonderful a wonderful blessing, really, to be able to have someone whose life you've impacted call you at times when this horrible thing has happened to them 
and they just feel like I can call Kevin and just for even just one session, just yeah. talk to him. That's awesome. It's just that there's almost nothing, nothing better than when someone wants to share life with you, whether it's a celebration or whether it's some difficult moment. If people have given you the privilege of sharing the, their life, there's that's an awesome time. And it gives you meaningfulness, too, as well, doesn't it? Oh, sure. Yeah. That one day I was sitting in the car in San Diego. This was maybe four years after the whole melanoma thing. And I've been clear of melanoma. I was at the stoplight and just out of the blue, I thought, why did you survive? It was a 70% chance you were going to be dead. And what came to me immediately was to do the work you're doing, to open up spiritual awareness for people. And again, I don't care if it's Jesus or Buddha or Peter, Paul, and Mary. It's all the same God. And you need it. I just think that you need something. Even if you don't believe in God, you believe in nature. You need that peace. And then you need to know how to control your mind so that you're not a victim of your mind. I think it's commendable and awesome. And you've made a an inroad to helping to speak into the lives of people who have a need. There's so many people, Kevin, and see if you agree, who are in this place like where you are at one time, a sense of feeling unhappy, even though you had money in some and the influence of that. I noticed, for instance, that one of the uh, one of the endorsements on your book was from Peter was or Paul, Stu Paul Stuckey. Is that who it was? Yeah. That's a very well-known person from Peter, Paul, and Mary. And I'm not sure what the relation was there, but you had enough relationship that he endorsed your, your book. Those are all cool. That's all cool. There's nothing to say, but that's cool. But you also have shared that you had a sense of emptiness and loss. And, of course, you had to deal with whatever the health ramifications of your disease or all that. And you worked your way through it and now are, are speaking to, to the lives of people. And so many people are in those positions of emptiness and loss and meaninglessness. And uh, people need to speak to that. I was no, Google does a thing where every year around the first of the year they put or what are some of the key search terms that they have in Google and their key phrase at the end of 2022, end of 23 was how can I change was one of the top search terms in all of Google. And I thought that was interesting. That means people are longing to change. They're not satisfied with where they are. They want to be someplace else. So that's right. Yeah. So what I want to ask you then about that, if, if I Obviously, you have found a process here for you, and you've mentioned several parts of of the process here, and you mentioned how your life is better and how so the people you've worked with is at a better place as well, and you're looking good, and you play music, and you've got some great, you've got a new book out here. If people want to know a little bit more about you and about what you're about, if somebody says, okay, Kevin, if I get on your website or if I find out more about you, what are they going to, what are they going to discover if they want to be talking to you about some coaching or some guidance? What are some steps that they would take with you? The website is kevinroth.org and you can order a book or you can have a free 30 minute consultation. If you think you might want some coaching or teaching and we can have a conversation. It's totally free. See if I can help you. And if not, I can possibly recommend something else, but a lot of people like my YouTube channel. They're really enjoying the book because they're finding their own journey within the book. And like I said, I love working with clients and giving workshops and you can do all of that. You can reach me through my website, kevinroth.org. kevinroth.org. And that's also, they can find out more about your music as well. Is that a part on your website as well? So that's good. Yes. Yeah. There's a music website, kevinrothmusic.com. Okay. 
We'll put links to both of those at our website, drbradmiller.com, when we want when we publish this episode. Again, the book is called Between the Notes, Practical Ways to Find Your Inner Groove and Dance to the Beat and Makes Your Heart Sing. His name is Kevin Roth. He is our author and guest here today on Beyond Adversity. Kevin, thank you for being our guest on the Beyond Adversity podcast. Well, that was an incredible story with, uh, with Kevin Roth, the uh, author of Between the Notes. Uh, what, a, what, a, what an amazing story where he was diagnosed with stage three melanoma, terrible cancer, uh, and was not given much hope to live and to thrive, but he changed his story. And I want to, and you can find him at, uh, at kevinroth.org, and then you can find his music at kevinrothmusic.org. Uh, dot com because it's a big part of his uh, of his story. Let's just talk about a few takeaway points. I like to share some of the takeaway points in interviews, sometimes based on the teaching I do called the Axe Plan and the ACTS. The Axe Plan, the word, uh, the the letter A in the word Axe stands for taking action. And Kevin took action. He took massive action. As he says, he got uh, got busy living instead of busy dying. And he moved. He, he the, the actions he took were to completely change his story, to write a new story, and to heal without drugs. He changed his eating, his thinking. He changed locations. He took massive action. So that's one takeaway point. The C... And the word act stands to connect with a higher power. In this case, uh, Kevin really took action in connecting the spirituality in his life with psychology and science. And that combination worked for him. And he has also reached out to other people in science or doctors and others and has been able to learn about that and the integration of that and how that's a part of the process for him to go to a deeper level, integrating spirituality and science and psychology. The T in the word acts uh, stands to think with discipline. It has to do with the actions and the process that you that you take in your life. In his case, it was, of course, music. Music and the dulcimer and meditation through using the dulcimer. And that's how he integrated what he's all about and implemented it in his life on a regular basis. There's other things he did, of course, eating and thinking and a change of mindset, de-stressing in his life. And all those are part of his process. The point I want to make to you is find your thing that you can apply and make it an everyday part of your life. In Kevin's case, it's meditation through the dulcimer, through music. But find your thing that you can do, how you can change, you know, how you can think and implement in your life. And the S in the word acts is to serve others with love, to serve others. And of course, in Kevin's case, he has this book, Between the Notes, Practical Ways to Find Your Inner Groove and Dance to a Beat That Makes Your Heart Sing. You can find out all about his book at his website, uh, kevinroth.org. We'll put connections to that at our website, drbradmiller.com. He also has coaching and leadership and other things that he's involved with that can be helpful to you as well. Kevin Roth our guest today on Beyond Adversity. Beyond Adversity exists to serve you. 
We now have 275 episodes. You can find at drbradmiller.com with all kinds of experts, people like Kevin and others who speak into your life, particularly what we call the five D's of adversity. Those D's are depression, anything mental health related. The second D is divorce, anything relationship oriented. The third D is disease. We talked about that today with Kevin, melanoma, and so on. The fourth D is debt. We are fortunate to have lots of experts in helping you to handle your finances, a big source of stress and, and, and adversity. The fourth D is death. We have experts we bring on all the time here on Beyond Adversity, uh, authors and leaders and teachers who can speak into your life in all these areas. And my role is to integrate all that and to collate that. I have a doctoral degree in transformational leadership myself, you want to find out more about what I'm about, my name is Dr. Brad Miller. Just go to drbradmiller.com, and that's where you'll find the Beyond Adversity podcast. Until next time, friends, continue to grow through what you go through. And remember to always do all the good that you can. Thank you for listening to the Beyond Adversity podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. You can find a complete archive of all episodes at drbradmiller.com. That's drbradmiller.com. Or subscribe for free through Apple Podcasts and never miss an episode. Each week, we bring you a message to crush adversity and live your life of peace, prosperity, and purpose.